Good morning. I don't know where you join us from this morning, whether you're in the room or online right now, but that was, that was a live shot of how Littleton felt last night. It was crazy. It was totally pitch black outside, and uh, our son said, Dad, we should go, out inside, go outside and play baseball. I was like, no, and he started, he was tired, he started to tear up. I was like, I don't even feel bad, I don't feel bad. You just keep crying, I'm not going out in that. And so, anyhow, I, uh, you, if, if we've not met, my name is Nathan, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, and if you've been here, you know this, if you haven't been here, we are working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians um, for the past number of weeks, we've got a few weeks left, um, in a series called Staying Power. And this morning... We arrive in a couple chapters that uh, it brings up something that, to be honest, I just, just I've noticed it's a bit of a tornado in the human heart. That is, at any given time, it can feel like a tornado. And, and if you can't tell up here, it's money. And some of you right now, you're like, oh my gosh, I came to church on that Sunday the Sunday they're going to talk about money. And the reason, the reason that you might be having that response is because there's a bit of a tornado in every human heart when it comes to money. And so we're going to actually look at what Paul has to say, mainly in chapter 8 this morning. But before we get to what he says, I want to give you a picture of what, what I truly believe is an accurate depiction of what's going on in the human heart when it comes to money and this thing that when you come to church, we talk about give it. Yeah, give your money to us. And, and, and you've heard that. And some of you think, that's what the church always does. They always ask for money. But let me, let me just tell you a quick story. Uh, years ago, I was on the official, formal West Bulls snowmelt spreading team, okay? And so what that meant is that whenever we were having church, there are just years where we can have church every single Sunday in the winter, and it never snows, Um, That's like once a century. And then every other year, it feels like it snows every single Sunday. And so there was a team of us that we were... We were in charge of spreading snowmelt before everybody got here for, for classes and services. And we had a building manager here years ago that uh, I grew to love. I, I, he, was very, um, he was very direct. And it, that, was, that was tough for me at first. And he had, he had this booming voice. So... It's like a blizzard one Sunday morning, and I'm out here, and I have my section that I'm in charge of shoveling and spreading snow melt on, and from across the lot, this guy yells, Nathan, and there's, there's a team of, of snow melt spreaders, and we all, we all want to do our jobs well, and in front of all of them, they all stop, and they're looking at me and listening to him. He's like, don't be so chintzy with it. And I was like, I don't even know what that word means. But based on the way you just said it, I think I catch your drift. And so I look up the word chintz. Chintz is a material that's it's basically a cheap imitation knockoff of 100% silk. And so what he's getting at is, don't be stingy. Nathan, don't be stingy. I mean, you're spreading snow melt for people to walk on so they can get into the building. Just throw it out there. Like, liberally, throw it out there. And... I don't know if you've had those kind of interactions where it's like, if you were to go tell somebody about it, they'd be like, listen, it's no big deal. It's snow melt. I was mad. I was like, I'm never spreading snow melt again. I'm never coming back here again, right? And, and it was just, I was, I was really hurt and I was mad. And soon an hour of being mad turned into hours of being mad. 
And then it turned into days and it's weeks. And don't we have these situations where it's like, it's really not a big deal. If somebody came to you with that same problem, you'd be like, it's nothing, but it's personal, right? So I remember being so upset and weeks would become months. And whenever I would think about it or see him, I would just associate it. And all I had in in my head was this phrase, don't be chintzy, Nathan. And, And I took it like I was... I was just being cheap, and I was taking shortcuts, and, and, and that was tough. And it, it was only years later that I look back and I realize why I was so hurt. Because my motivation for being there that day, it wasn't really to help out. I was worried about how I looked. And my role in it all, I thought, I, you know, I could do it better, and I should be in charge. And my goal for all of it was just for Nathan to look good and feel valued and feel good about myself. Now, What does that have to do with the image up on the screen? What could be said about what happened in my heart spreading snow melt can be said about the human heart when it comes to giving money, especially to the church. And so I can understand the Corinthian church as they clutched their wallets a little tighter. This is what Paul's pointing out in them. As they clutched their wallets a little tighter, as they held their purses a little closer, as they eyeballed their portfolios and held on to their Bitcoin a little bit tighter, I can understand what they were going through because this is what happens in the human heart. We've gotten distorted. This is what sin does. It distorts our motivation for giving money when it comes up in church. It can distort our role, our perceived role in, in handling the money of the church, and it can distort the goal in our hearts and in our minds when it comes to giving to the church. And Paul, as we begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you can see him addressing these things. And so let me, let me just talk to those in the room that maybe for you, when it comes to money, the issue is, what is my, what's the motivation to give money? Let me read to you what Paul has to say. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now listen to what happened in the Macedonian churches. Okay, he's saying, you know, the the church down the street or actually across the world, anyway, across across the region, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now how often do those three converge? Severe trial, extreme poverty, rich generosity. I mean, that's a different kind of giving, isn't it? I don't know that I look for those factors to be present when I think about giving money. He goes on, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Now, how do you explain that last part there? I mean, that's that's a different kind of giving, isn't it? Beyond their ability in the middle of an extreme trial? We don't know what that trial was, but I think we could relate this last year, couldn't we? We could absolutely relate. They give as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Now, here's what happens. We get really, really, really centered when, when money comes up, just in any area, but especially in the church, on the physical, visible, material part of, of money, don't we? I mean, isn't it true without ever having economics degrees, we suddenly, we all become economics as experts. We're all economists. You know, you hear some people say, this is just capitalism. This is capitalism, you know, and, and our mindset is I, I should get what I earn, and the church wants it. And then some people say, no, I, this is like a form of socialism. You know, this is other people get what I earned. 
I've heard some people make the case that say that when the church asks for money, it's communism. That whoever's in charge gets what I earn. And we have to understand that those three models of economics, they fall under materialism. And when it comes to materialism, you and I hear that word and we think either or. Either or. And we completely separate from it. But listen to what Paul says as he goes on. He says, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us. So now now we're going even further here. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of giving to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, spiritual realm. First of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us, physical, material realm. See, do you see what Paul did there? We like to think material stuff over here, spiritual stuff over here. And Paul says, actually, no, it's tied to, it's tied to. In fact, the spiritual side really drives the material side. I mean, you can see this in scripture. I mean, this would be a good time to remember all the different material, physical things that God uses in order to drive forward or are driven forward by spiritual things. Remember manna in the desert? You know, the Israelites are traveling through the desert and God gives them manna. He gives them daily bread from the heavens. And what does he say to them? He says, listen, this this is not a a hoarding thing. This is not stock up all you can and, and have more than your neighbor thing. This is take what you need for today because there's a spiritual implement, uh, excuse me, spiritual implication of all this. That is trust and depend on your heavenly father. You see in scripture the, the use of stones to build an altar. And what is that about? It's not to build castles and make cool structures. It's to remember what God has done. Remember that? We get to water. Jesus sitting with the woman at the well. And she thinks she's there to get physical water, material thing. He says, no, 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 there's a spiritual component to this conversation. I have living water for you. We get to communion, as Shar pointed out earlier. He uses bread and wine. And there's a spiritual significance. It tells us about Jesus' body broken for us. His blood poured out for us. You listen to Paul and he talks about the body, you know, the the human body. And what does that point us at? The church. And now here's Paul. He's talking about money. And you notice where this passage started? It was, let me tell you about grace. Let me tell you about the grace that God poured out on those churches. And what did it result in? Giving. See, Paul is tying it together. He's saying, look, these these things go together. When the church asks you to give, the motivation, it's not, and I, I realize it's hard for me as a preacher and a pastor to say this because even church history works against what I'm about to say right now. But when the church asks you to give, when you look at what Paul says here, it is not a greed thing. It is not a guilt thing. It is a grace thing. And that's hard because as I look through church history, it hasn't always been that way. But if I were to look at what Paul has to say right here in the word of God, giving is a grace thing. So I come back to that day, you know, spreading snow melt. And uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, 
Jack you know, just yelled at me, and I'm in, I'm in like, now everybody thinks I'm the worst snow melt spreader in the world. And I walk into the building, and I've got chemical white dust, like up to my elbows. You think that created some questions in church? Absolutely, right? And I'm just going, but, but what was my motivation? It was me. See, I was worried about how I looked to everybody. But the motivation is nothing to do with our greed or our guilt or our image or anything like that. It's the grace that has been poured out by our Heavenly Father. Now, some of you, it's not the motivation to give. For some of us in here, the difficulty when it comes to giving and when the church talks about money, it's more this this idea of our role in it. Because, you know, as we manage budgets and as we look at personal finances, we like to think we're in charge, don't we? Listen to what Paul has to say. Verse 6, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your, and there's a word, part. See, he's pointing at a beginning, and then he's pointing at a completion. But look at that word there, part. He doesn't say, listen, hey, you guys are in charge of all of it. He says, do your part. Do your part. He goes on. Verse 7, but since you excel in everything, that is, here's some of the other grace God has poured out on the church. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. See, the church had been so richly blessed at Corinth And Paul's saying to them, he said, listen, look at all the ways God has poured out his grace on you. Look at everything. Just look around. Look through. Look throughout scripture again. Remember, Abraham's going to sacrifice his son because God asked him to. And right as he's about to do it, what does God do? He poured out grace. There's a ram in the thicket. And he says, use that. He brings them into the promised land, and as they're, as they're about to go in, remember in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, listen, when you go in, do not forget the Lord your God. He led you, he guided you, he protected you, and there's going to come a day where you're in this land, and you're going to look around, and you're going you're to go, look what my hands have done. He says, do not forget. Do not forget that God has richly poured out In all the different ways he's blessed you, carry that out to completion. Jesus sends the disciples out one day. He says, don't take anything with you. I'll give you everything you need. Later on, hey, when they drag you before the authorities and the courts, don't worry about the words that you need to say. I will give those. See, he says, Paul says, he's blessed you so many different ways. So many different ways. You know what that says? The motivation for giving is grace. The role, our role in giving, we like to think we're the source, don't we? We're stewards. I'll never forget what a professor at the seminary said. He said, listen, you guys, you just got to know that when it comes to church and really any organization, there are going to be people that give point, if you were to break it down mathematically, point zero 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 one percent of the budget, but they want 100% of the say. And I went, wow, I'm sorry, what am I signing up for here? But can we just look at West Bowles for a minute? Do, do we realize how richly he has blessed this church? 
I mean, I'll never forget the, the guy that was the building manager to give me a shift in perspective. He walked me around the church. You know what he did? He started pointing out orange buckets. If you ever walk around this place in the winter, just start counting orange buckets. He said, you want to know what's in there, Nathan? Snow melt. You want to know what's in that one, Nathan? Snow melt. You want to know what's in that one and that one and that one and that one? Snow melt. He took me to a, a storage room downstairs, opens it, and there are orange buckets galore, full of snow melt. And the reason he did that was to say, look how much we've been given. You don't have to be chintzy with it when you're throwing it out there. You can throw it out there. So then I think about our church and I think about the people that God has put in place here. You know, we excel in faith and in speech and in earnestness and in all the things Paul lists here. I mean, I just, I just think about, many of you, you, I don't know if you know Melanie Dykes. She, she oversees finances here at the church. If you ever need a number from Melanie, don't go, don't go do it right now because you're going to get me in trouble with her, all right? She will not give you a kind of number. She gives you an exact number because she is so gifted and wired for what she does. We've been incredibly gifted. Our auditor tried to hire her away from us. I said, you're going to have to wrestle me for it, okay? No, it's just he's richly blessed us. Our business manager, Bob Fugler, his heart for this place, I mean, he does it for a salary of a glass of water every time he comes in. But his heart in overseeing the finances and looking at everything and watching everything is incredible. And then on the care side of things, the giving side of things, Charlene, I mean, you will never find somebody who works harder at spotting the need, finding the need, responding to the need. Same with Kayla, Kayla Heinzen, Ryan Long. Ryan will stop and talk to people that many of us would walk right past. Why? Because this is a church that God has poured out his grace on. So the motivation to give, it's not guilt or greed, it's grace. Our role when it comes to the giving We're not the source, we're a steward. We're a steward of it. Now, there's one more place that as I read what Paul had to say can be a struggle for the human heart. And I believe this is one for all of us. It's the goal of giving to the church. The goal, listen to this. Verse eight, he says, I'm not commanding you, but I wanna test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. Really? So Paul, you're just going to open up the books of the church down, down the street or across the region and ours, and you're going to compare it? Paul would say, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. He says in verse 9, for, here's the reason why, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, listen to this, you've maybe heard this, but just think on this, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. That wasn't, he gave you a little bit of what he had so that he could stay rich and that you could be rich as well. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Through his poverty. That means all the riches he had, they went somewhere. They went somewhere. And where did they go? They went to you. And they went to me. And he wants them to go to people. That we might be rich 
that we would become rich. Remember we were talking earlier about those economist mindsets? You know, capitalism says, I, I, I get what I earned. And socialism says, well, others get what I earn. And communism says, whoever's in charge gets what I earn. It's not any of those isms. It's not capitalism, socialism, communism when it comes to giving to the church. It's evangelism is what it is. Evangelism says you get and I get what he earned at the church. See, that's why, that's why we give. The goal of giving to the church, it's not a business. It's not to build up a business. Paul says, no, it's to build a body. It's to build the body of Christ. So it took me years to think back on that day, spreading snowmelt. Why were we spreading snowmelt that day? I mean, just think about it. Why do we spread snowmelt when it's, when it's really, really snowy on a Sunday morning at church? And the business mind kicks in, doesn't it? Listen, the church absolutely functions like a business. But the nature of the church is a body. And that, to me, is a stronger more stable foundation to stand on when it comes to how we think about our giving. But why would we throw out snowmelt? The business mind says, well, to avoid lawsuits. Listen, if we wanted to avoid lawsuits, the easiest way to avoid those is just not have church, okay? <laughs> no, you want to know why we're throwing out snowmelt? Because literally we want people to be able to come in and know the gospel news and message of Jesus Christ. It's a body thing that we could gather together and have fellowship and have community and the body could be built up. Would it help us avoid some lawsuits? Absolutely. But when I think about those two lines of reasoning, body, body reasoning takes priority. And so the motivation is grace. The role is steward. And the goal is the body. And if you keep reading... If you keep reading through 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, you know what you're going to hear Paul say? Don't be chintzy. <laughs> Don't be chintzy. Because there's a different motivation. And there's a different role that we have. And there's a different goal than what we're so used to hearing all week long. And so with that in mind, I, I want to give you just a few more verses. I think Paul gives us four specific things to be thinking on when it comes to our giving. Okay? Just, just walk through these with me real quick. Coming back to verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Takeaway number one. You will never richly give if you have not richly received. And that has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with an amount of money. And it has everything to do with what we've received right here. People who have not asked Jesus into their lives and trusted in Jesus Christ, they do not understand giving. And giving, if they do it to the church, is motivated, and, and this was my deal for so many years, by guilt or by greed. But when Jesus has been trusted right here, then you know what we do? We give out of grace. We give from a place of grace. Verse 10 and 11. Paul says, here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. That is, the portion you give with your hands, that portion you give with your hands is measured 
by the posture you have in your heart. Did you catch that word there? Willingness. It's a willingness thing. You know what this means? It means that there's a very big difference, maybe millions of dollars of difference, between an angry dollar and a joyful dollar when it's given to the church. That, that when you look at, at what God looks at, the difference between an angry dollar and a joyful dollar could be millions, billions, trillions of dollars. It really could. Come back to that verse for a moment. Sorry, uh, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. In other, in other words, more than portion, takeaway number three, more than portion, think proportion. See, once in a while I have people come to me and they say, Nathan, how much should I give? Because, you know, I see in the Old Testament, it says, it talks about tithes and offerings, but, but is that an Old Testament deal? And listen, you don't want to ask me this question. Because here's what, I, here's what I would say, 100%, okay? I want you to give 100%. That's what I want you to give. Actually, I want you to give 120%. Go find somebody who's not already giving and get their stuff and, yeah, 120%. No, the reason I, I don't want to answer that question is because remember the context in which our Heavenly Father, he, he deals with us, it's relationship. And this is a conversation that he may want to have with us that we would work out in our hearts and with him our willingness and our joy when it comes to giving to the church. Not a standard set number. Finally, one more takeaway. Verses 13 through 15, he says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, as it is written. The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. That's a reference to that manna that we talked about. Takeaway number four. God may very well place in your hands what he intends in someone else's hands. And there's just one step left. It's to give it. It's to give it. This is what Paul is getting at. This is what God is getting at through Paul. <clears throat> you know, my favorite part, my favorite part of all this is when I think back through some of the most incredible gifts I've, I've even heard about coming to this church, it never really sat within a plan that was laid out in advance because you can't really plan the way God's grace is going to show up. All you can do is respond to it. And so, uh, you know, this, this is just the very beginning of chapter 8. If you're on our email list, and I hope you are, we won't spam you. And if you're not on there, you can go to our homepage and give us your email on our website. Um, I, I want to detail the rest of chapter 8 and chapter 9 this week. There's a, a mid to usually late week email that goes out. Because the truth is, you do get something when you respond to the incredible grace of God that he pours out. And that'll be outlined in the email. But before we go, you know, sometimes you just come across something that just says it, and you come across someone who says it far better than you do. And I just, I just spent 25 minutes talking to you about this. But I think this video says it all. Take a look. Good morning, y'all. Have you ever had somebody send you something that was just too good not to share, but maybe a little too much to type? Well, my dad sent me something the other day, and I thought it was awesome, so I was just going to share it with you. 
if you take this basketball right here, you put it in my hands, yeah, it's worth about 15 bucks. That's it. But you put that basketball in the hands of LeBron James, it's worth about 30 or 40 million. You take this football right here and put it in my hands, it's worth about, I don't know, 10, 11 dollars, probably. You put it in the hands of Peyton Manning, it's worth about 50, 60 million dollars. Depends on whose hands it is. You take this golf club right here, you put it in my hands, ah, it might be worth 50 bucks, maybe. You put it in the hands of Tiger Woods, though, it's worth 80 million. You see, it depends on whose hands it in. If I have a stick in my hand, a rod in my hand, I might beat away an animal or a wild animal or something trying to come at me. But you put it in the hands of Moses and it parted the Red Sea. You put a slingshot in my hands. It just becomes a kid's toy. You put it in the hands of King David and he slays the giant with it. See, it depends on whose hand it is in. And, you know, two fishes and five loaves of bread would feed me with some bread left over. You put it in the hands of Jesus, and it feeds thousands. Depends on whose hands that it's in. If I had a couple of nails in my hand right now, I might would build you a birdhouse, if you're lucky. Might nail down a piece of wood. But you put them same nails in Jesus' hands, and it leads to salvation and eternal life for folks who love him and folks who trust him. You see, it depends on whose hands that it's in. And your worries and your cares and the things that's got you stressed out, if you leave them in your hands, that's all they're ever going to be. But if you put them same worries and cares and your problems in the hands of Christ, he's going to see you through it. He's going to take care of every need that we got. Y'all take care and have a blessed day. But just remember, it depends on whose hands that it's in. Give everything you got to God and let him handle it for you. Take care. We love y'all. Good morning, y'all. Thank you, Eric Nadelborg, for sending that to me. That came this week, and I'm sitting here studying this passage, and I went, oh, my goodness. See, the same thing that could be said about fish and loaves and worries and cares and fears and nails can be said about our money. Don't be chintzy. Put it in his hands. Let me pray for you as the worship team comes back up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we can only know a fraction of a glimpse of the incredible grace that you have poured out upon not just our individual lives, but our church and your church globally. So Lord, for every single moment that, that our motives, when it comes to money and the church, they get distorted and we think our role is to be in charge or the goal of it is something less than your body, Lord, Thank you in advance for your mercy. Thank you for grace even on that. But Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to, to exactly what this is about. It's not about you know, expenses and revenues. Of course it is. Of course it is. But Lord, when you set all this up, however you did it, you had the body in mind. You had reaching the world for you in mind because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, keep the incredible grace before us. Keep, keep the mindset of stewardship in front of us. Keep the goal of the body right there with us. Thank you for your incredible, incredible grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.